You're listening to audio from Calvary Baptist Church of Port Austin. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about us, please visit cbcportaustin.org. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, every time I dig into it, I'm just really amazed by all the treasures that are in there. And you can look at a verse, the same verse, over and over and over again and constantly find new truth um, because your word is living. Lord, I just pray that you'd open our eyes today to see that, fill, fill us with your spirit so that we can understand it. And Lord, those of us who are your sheep today, as the passage says, I pray we'd be encouraged. And those of us who aren't, I ask that you would call them to yourself today. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been going through a series um, that I called The Abundant Life. And the reason for that is because through this passage of Scripture, you see this theme that Jesus is offering a different type of life than the world offers. And today we're in John 10 where we actually find that phrase that he came to give us life and life more abundant. Um, but the, the focus of the text today is that Jesus is the good shepherd. And what's interesting about that is in the Old Testament, God commonly used the sheep-shepherd relationship to, as a metaphor to kind of show what his relationship was for his people. And you know that from Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 95, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And it's all through the Old Testament. And it kind of comes to a, a climax in Ezekiel where God rebukes the religious leaders of the day by telling them that they're not good shepherds. They're horrible shepherds, and he really just lets them have it. And he says, because of this, in Ezekiel 34, 23, I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. Now, here's the thing. David was dead when God promised this. So we know that he's talking about a descendant from David. And he says that there's going to be one shepherd, he's going to feed them, and he's going to be their shepherd. He's going to be a good shepherd for them. And so when Jesus comes in in John 10 and says, I am the good shepherd, not only is he equating himself with God, who often used the shepherd-sheep metaphor, he's also claiming to fulfill the prophecy to be that one shepherd from the root of David, the root of Jesse, who would be the shepherd over his people. And he says, one shepherd, one sheep in this passage. So it's really remarkable. But not only that, the second reason I think it's fascinating that we see this sheep-shepherd relationship is because when you study um, sheep and shepherds, um, you'll find a lot of parallels between us and our relationship with God. And the reason I know this is because a few weeks ago, I purchased a small flock of sheep, and I've been having them in my apartment, I've been watching them. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I was hoping Jeff was here. He's my landlord, and I I was going to make that joke. So he's like, what, there's sheep up there? No. Um, But no, I've been studying sheep and shepherds the last couple weeks in preparation for this. Um, Not in my apartment, but through books and stuff. And, um, And it's fascinating, because here, let me give you a few things. First of all, sheep are really, really dumb. Um, they're just very in, unintelligent animals. Um, and so, for instance, they'll eat grass, and they'll just eat it all the way to the point where they just completely kill the grass, where, where cows will kind of graze on in other pastures. Sheep will just keep eating right to the dirt. And so they need a shepherd to say, okay, move along. Let's go to this next grass over here. And it gets so bad that they'll eat this grass, and then they'll just start eating their own excrement, and they'll die if the shepherd doesn't move them. Like, they're very unintelligent. They, they're also very prone to wander off. Um, which I can see a relationship there. Sheep get into danger a lot and need protection from a shepherd. 
they're really helpless without, without some sort of protection. Um, if you see a sheep, you're not like, oh man, I'm so afraid. Like, what, what's that going to do to me, right? Um, uh, number four, uh, sheep need to be led where to go. I mean, they, they don't know what, what's going on. Like, even, even when the shepherd calls them, um, they kind of have to figure out, okay, get in line with the rest of them and follow the, sh- the shepherd's voice. Um, and uh, so those are just a few connections. But I don't know about you. I can relate to the fact that sheep are dumb and that I'm dumb, right? Like, I make a lot of stupid decisions. And I'm so glad that I have a shepherd to lead me through this life. Like, imagine going through this life. Often, when, when, I, when I hear about an unbeliever who loses a loved one, I can't imagine being at that funeral and not having a shepherd. I just can't imagine it. I can't imagine the big decisions that I've made in my life, like marriage and, and what I want to do with my life and where I went to college, all these big decisions. I can't imagine doing that without a shepherd, without, without a shepherd in his word to lead me to make those big decisions. And, and, I, and I see this, that in the times where I was prone to wander like sheep, God went after me like the 99 and he picked me up. He put me on his shoulders and he brought me back. Awesome. Um, when I was in danger, he protected me. Um, when I needed leading in my life, he led me. And, and so we see this beautiful picture of the sheep-shepherd relationship, and it's a great metaphor for us in our relationship with the Lord. And one thing that you need to know before we read these first few verses, because we're going to walk through this in John 10, is that many families um, in, in, this, in the day that this was written um, had small amount of sheep that they were in charge of. A shepherd would have a small little group of sheep, and then at nighttime, he would bring it into this large pen um, in, the, in the town, and many families kind of purchased a pen to put their, their sheep in, and then they would hire someone to watch the door um, overnight, and then the next day, they would go, and the, they, would each, they would open the door, and the shepherd, um, each of them would call their sheep with a specific um, with a specific name or a specific sound, and they would call their sheep, and the, all those sheep that were mixed in from all these different shepherds would then come out of the pen to their specific shepherd, and he'd lead them into pasture. And so with that kind of picture in mind, like in our culture, they tend to drive sheep. In this culture, they lead sheep, and, and the sheep follow. It's, it's really profound. And, and the reason that's profound is because you're going to see that. So let's look in John 10. Jesus, if you remember, is just finished rebuking the Pharisees, because they just kicked out a blind man, okay? They kicked him out last week. We looked at that, and there's no gap. There were no, there were no text uh, chapter breaks in the original, and so I think he's continuing to rebuke these Pharisees here for being bad shepherds because they just kicked a guy out of their synagogue. And he says this in verse, 10, or verse 1 in chapter 10. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of a stranger." So, so that picture I just showed you is exactly what Jesus is talking about. He says a true shepherd is going to go to that sheep pen and the porter or the gatekeeper is going to allow him to get his sheep out. But a thief and a robber, the gatekeeper is going to be like, no, bro, like these aren't your sheep, right? And so what they'll do is they'll sneak around and they'll climb over the wall to get into the sheepfold. And what Jesus is saying is that these religious leaders have climbed over the wall. They didn't go through the gatekeeper. They're thieves and robbers. And here's the really sad thing is when a thief or a robber climbed over that wall, sometimes the walls were kind of high and they're not going to get a live sheep over that wall. 
A lot of times they would slit that throat and throw the sheep over and steal it just for, just for the profit they could make from it. And it's a bad, a really good picture of what the Pharisees did with a lot of the people. They were out for their own gain. They didn't care about the sheep. But Jesus says, I, the, the, the real shepherd, is going to go to the gate and the porter is going to let him in and he's going to call his sheep by name. And they're going to come out and they're going to follow him. Beautiful, beautiful picture. And when I was reading, I couldn't, think, I couldn't help but think of like a, a dog um, when the owner calls a dog, he comes. But when a stranger calls a dog, sometimes they're just like, right? Like, and then that's kind of what he's saying. The sheep, when they hear someone who's not their shepherd, they're going to run away. And, and as God's sheep, when we hear something that doesn't line up with our shepherd's voice, we run from that. That is not uh, something that we follow. Okay, let's continue. Verse 6. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. So they're not getting it. So Jesus kind of switches. He still continues with the metaphor, but it's a little different scene. Um, and he says in verse 7, Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. In other words, you've got to come through me. Okay? This is the only way into the sheepfold of God's people, his true sheep. It's through me. In John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's a common view today in our culture that um, God's just at the top of this mountain. It doesn't matter which way you go as long as you get up the mountain to God. And that's just not true. Jesus said there's only one way to the Father and it's through me. And guess what? You can't get up the mountain. I had to come down the mountain and die for you and bring you up the mountain. Okay, and so, so Jesus is saying, I'm the door of the sheep. Verse 8, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. They didn't come through the door. They climbed over the wall. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. It's awesome. That's the life Jesus offers as the good shepherd. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And so you see he's comparing himself with these false shepherds, these false religious leaders, and he's showing, I'm the good shepherd. And I want to read through the rest of it so you can get a big picture of it, because it's really beautiful, and then we'll make some applications at the end. Um, in verse 12, so he just said he gives his life for the sheep, but, verse 12, he that is an hireling, or someone that they just hired, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catches them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so, I, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So what he's saying is when you hire someone to watch the sheep, and they don't own the sheep, and a wolf's coming, they're out of there. right? Like they, they're not worried about protecting the sheep. They're worried about protecting themselves. But Jesus says as the good shepherd... Not only will I stay when danger comes, I'll lay down my life for the sheep. That's a pretty amazing uh, story. And there are some stories of some shepherds that really did get attacked by people to steal the sheep and really did fight and get brutally um, hurt in protection of their sheep. And we read about David in the Old Testament who killed a lion and a bear in protection of his sheep. And so a good shepherd is going to stay when trouble comes and protect his sheep and even be willing to lay down his life which we know Jesus did. And then in verse 16, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, 
them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. That goes back to the verse that I quoted from Ezekiel, right? There's one sheep and there's one shepherd, or one fold and one shepherd. And what he's talking about here, because he's, he's in the context of the Jews right now. And he said, these are Jewish believers that I've called to be my sheep, but they're sheep that aren't of this fold. Guess who those are? Those are us, the Gentiles. So when Jesus said this, you know what he was saying? He was thinking about us. There's other sheep, and I'm going to call them. Amen. He was thinking about us when he said this. Like, you're, you're in the Bible, right? Like, thinking about us. Incredible. Verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I laid down my life, that I may take it up again. Look at this. I love this. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down to myself. And I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So, so he's saying, by the way, I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep, but no man took it. I did it of my own voluntary will. And not only can I lay down my life, a lot of shepherds can do that, right? They can lay down their life for sheep, but I can do that and I can get it get back up again. That's an altogether different type of shepherd. If a shepherd dies in the protection of his sheep without taking care of the threat, the sheep are in danger. But if he's able to get back up again... Right? Then there's nothing to worry about. Not only does Jesus eliminate the threat and dies doing it, he gets back up again. And then he becomes our good shepherd. It's just an awesome thing. 19. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings, like usual. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These, not, these are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And that's why I connect this to the previous story. I think they're still dealing with this. Like, he, he just made a blind man see. Like, what do you mean he's a devil? Like, what are you talking about? Okay, in verse 22. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. It's like, he's been telling them plainly since the beginning. But um, he answers them. And, and some people would take this text a little different. Like it might be a different scene now. But because he continues the sheep, I want to cover it together today. Jesus answered them. I told you, and you believe not. Look, I've already told you plainly that I'm the Christ. and You didn't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I am my Father are one. Verse 31. Good way to end. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him, right? Again, they're, oh, let's kill him. Well, no, that's not going to work, okay? But what I want to do today, there's so much we could bring out of this. Again, I, I always feel like, how, how can I do justice to a text in a half hour? Uh, maybe I should just, we should just extend the service. I'll preach longer. No, you're like, well, hold on a second, right? Um, but but I, what I want to do is I just want to bring out some applications um, some applications about our good shepherd today. I want to meditate on the shepherd. Um, if you have a church background at all, I'm sure you've heard um, this a little bit, the sheep shepherd analogy. And a lot of times the preacher likes to focus on how dumb the sheep are and kind of just like let you know how dumb you are. But this text, it, it points to the shepherd. And so I want to focus on him. Um, we are dumb. I agree with those applications. But let's look at our good shepherd today. Right? Let's not stare at our, our weaknesses and our sins. Let's look at the one who can take care of it. The good shepherd. And so I want to point out some truths about the good shepherd. And the first one is, the good shepherd knows his sheep. 
He knows them. In verse 3 of chapter 10, it says, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name. He knows them. He knows them by name. In 14 um, through 16, he said, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. So he, he knows them. There's an intimate knowledge of who his sheep are. He knows exactly who they are. And then in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The reason I want to bring that out is because God has deep, intimate knowledge of you if you are his sheep. And of all of us, really, but specifically in a special, loving type of way, he knows you, and he knows everything about you. And to take it even further, and God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. So, so God knew you before you ever knew about existence, before anybody else knew that you were here, before you ever got here, God knew you, and he knew you in an intimate way, those of us who are his sheep, before the foundation of the world. And he laid down his life for you before the foundation of the world. So there's an incredible intimate knowledge that God has for us as a sheep. And Psalm 139 says that he formed us, our inward parts, and he knitted us together in the womb. So, so that's our shepherd. He knows you. And what's amazing is you study the sheep-shepherd relationship. Um, they, they know their sheep very, very well. And a lot of them, there is some evidence that they named each one, just like, kind of like we do with pets today. And what they would do is as they took them out, they would call them by name. And there was a specific voice that they would use, and, and the sheep would follow just their shepherd. And, and it was so um, specific that sometimes when you would sell a sheep to a different shepherd, that sheep would be in trauma for several days in that new sheepfold because they'd, they'd hear this new shepherd and they're like, I ain't following him. Um, sheep are very specifically supposed to follow the shepherd's voice. And we, we see that as us as Christians. We follow our good shepherd, Jesus. We listen to him because he knows us and we know him. And, and, and I love the fact that um, when, when the shepherd would bring his sheep back, he would check each of them. And make sure there was no major wounds that he had to dress before the night. And God knows us to the point where he sees the different struggles in our life. He sees the pain. He sees the hurts. And, he, and he's there as the good shepherd um, to heal us and to, uh, to mend us when we need mending. And he just, he knows us. And he loves us. There's an intimate knowledge. And I say this all the time, but how amazing is it that God knows everything there is to know about you. And yet he loves you. Right? Like who in this room knows you? Like in and out fully. Maybe your spouse, but even them, they might not know every single thing. And God knows every single detail about you. I mean, I've said this before, but if we put your thoughts from just this last week up on the screen for all of us to see, like you'd be like, oh man, I got to get out of here quick. Like these people won't accept me once they know some of this stuff. But God knows all that. Intimate, full knowledge of everything about you. And yet he loves you. He delights in you as his child. The Bible says he sings over his people. Like, what kind of love the Father has for us? Because he sent Jesus, and Jesus took your sin, all your sin, and he paid for it on the cross. And so now he looks at you, and he doesn't see you. He sees the nail-scarred hands, like that song. He loves us, and he loves us with an intimate knowledge. It's one thing to be liked by some people. Like, oh yeah, my friends, they, they like me. It's cool. I feel accepted by them. And, and, and it's great feeling to be loved. And, and, but it's a, it's a whole other level to be fully known and still fully loved. And that's what I love about this. He says, I know my sheep. I know each of them. And I call them by name. 
There's an intimate knowledge. And I was thinking about this the other day as I was praying. And I was driving in my car and I was praying. I was worshiping. I was looking at the sunset. And I was just talking to my father. And I just thought for a second, I can't believe that he hears my voice right now. That there's a billion other people praying right now to the Father. And yet he hears me. And he's in my car. And he has presence with me. And I'm his sheep. And he's my shepherd. And there's intimacy there. And yet he's intimate with all of his sheep. On a personal level like that, I just, I can't fathom it. Can't wait to be in his presence and to see him physically and to to be in his presence for all eternity. He knows his sheep. And one day we're going to know him fully. And it's going to be amazing. The good shepherd knows his sheep. Not only that, the good shepherd leads his sheep. And we we read some of that. To him the porter openeth, verse 3, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And so he's he's pointing out the following relationship there. In verse 27, which I just read, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So not only does he know us, he knows exactly where to lead us, and he leads us as well. And And I said this earlier, but imagine trying to go through this life without a shepherd. Like, we really are kind of dumb, like sheep, right? Like, we need someone to show us the way. And our good shepherd not only knows us, he gave us directions. Everything we need to know, he leads us through his word. And he guides us where we need to go. And we follow him and we find the joy that we we were so desperately looking for in this life. He leads us. And so I want to encourage you this, this week, if you've been leaning on your own understanding, like Proverbs says, instead acknowledge him and follow the good shepherd. He'll lead you where you need to go. Every decision in life, bring to him. Every crossroads you come to, bring to him. Ask the good shepherd. He'll lead you. Ask for wisdom. Ask for knowledge through his word to to figure out what you're supposed to do. He's a good shepherd. He'll lead you where you need to go. You know what's amazing too is he'll lead you in the way he knows you need. So, so for instance, the good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows them intimately. Say he checked up on one of them and, and it has a, a broken leg. And so he mends that leg and he heals that leg. But then he has to lead that sheep a little differently in the future um, because of that broken leg. And, and so God knows exactly what you need. And so when you go through different trials in this life, trust the good shepherd. Like he brought you through that knowing that he would sustain you through it and that you'll get through it. And the hardest trials that come our way, we have the comfort to know that our good shepherd is going to work all things together for good. And so just keep following the shepherd. Through the, through the good times, through the bad times, follow our good shepherd. He'll lead you where you need to go. We can trust his leadership. How, how amazing is that? That, you know, so, so many leaders that we have in our life that it's like, man, I don't know if I want to follow this, this person, right? Like, is that good leadership? I don't know. But we can have confidence in this leader because he's the good shepherd. He knows everything, omniscient, all-powerful. He'll lead you where you need to go. Not only that, the good shepherd satisfies his sheep. I love this verse 7. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man... Enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. Sheep need that pasture to be able to live. They, they need that to be able to be satisfied. Verse 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. What he's saying is, thieves and robbers, they're not looking out for the sheep. 
They don't care about satisfying the sheep. And so if, if you hear someone teaching uh, who claims to be a preacher, um, they're, not, they're not looking out for the sheep if they're not teaching according to this word. And so they're wolves. They snuck in another way, and now they're teaching false things for their own gain, and they don't care at all about the sheep. A good shepherd's going to look at this and going to teach them the way they need to go so they'll be satisfied. And that's what he does. This good shepherd, he says, I, I go, I call my sheep out, I bring them out, and they find pasture. They, they find what they need. I feed my sheep. I satisfy my sheep with exactly what they need. And I don't just give them life. I give it more abundantly. That's the life that Jesus offers today. That's the life he offers. And I tell this, say this all the time, but the biggest lie that, that the world and that Satan and that your own self can tell you is that Jesus doesn't satisfy. And that it, oh, I know that the shepherd says to go this way, but man, it looks sure fun over there. And that looks good over there, but abundant life is over here. And just like that sheep that is just like wandering off about to go over a cliff, when the good shepherd's over here offering pasture, that's how we are. Like Isaiah says, all we like sheep are led astray. We've gone everyone to his own way. But the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so as you're tempted to stray from what God says and to not follow the leadership of the shepherd, remember his promise. I'm bringing you to pasture. I'm going to satisfy your soul. I'm going to give you life, and not just life like everyone else, abundant life, extraordinary life, exceptional life, over-the-top life, overflowing, joy-filled life. That's the life Jesus offered. And so resist the lie that Satan's been telling from the very beginning, oh, God's holding out on you. I mean, you've got an entire garden with every fruit that you can imagine. It's an incredible paradise-type place. But there's this one fruit over here, and he said he couldn't have it. He's holding out on you. It's a lie. And he does that to us today. And every day as we go through this life, there's all these little fruits that, that we're so tempted to go after. And Jesus said, I'll give you life, and it's abundant life. And man, as a, I wish I would have got this as a young person in high school. I so often looked at the people who weren't Christians, who weren't pastor's kids, and what they were allowed to do. And I was like, man, I wish I could do that. It was foolishness. Now I realize my good shepherd, he puts boundaries in his word for our good. You know what a good shepherd's going to do? They're going to see a cliff over there, and they're going to put up a little fence to keep you from going off that cliff. Because sheep are kind of dumb. And they'll just keep eating that food, not paying attention, and wander off away from the flock, and they're over the cliff. And so God loves us, and he puts boundaries in our life. And I've illustrated it like this before, but when I, when I take my nieces and nephews places in the car, and they're in the car seat, and they're whining and fussing, and they want out of that car seat, the fun uncle in me wants to let them out of the car seat and just wander around in the car while I'm driving, right? That'd be fun. Like, they're happy. I'm happy. Everything's good. But that's not a very good, loving thing to do, right? If I love my niece and nephew, I'm going to keep them in that seat, even though they're not the biggest fan of it. And there might be a few things in the Word that kind of press on us and they make us uncomfortable. We don't really like it. But God keeps those there because He loves you. He's your good shepherd. He wants to satisfy you. And so believe the good shepherd today. Choose satisfaction in the good shepherd. Don't go wandering off over a cliff. I see so many people and I'm just like, man. Like chasing the same thing that we've already seen other people get and be unsatisfied with. Like, how insane is that? Like chasing the things of future garage sales and looking for joy. Like, what is that? Like, more things are going to make me happy. No, this person has everything and they're not happy. 
More relationships are going to make me happy. No, this person has had seven wives and they're not happy. Like, like we, we were so foolish. We're like those sheep that go wandering off. And Jesus says, come, come to me. I'll give you life. I'll give you joy. I'll give you rest for your soul. I can't help but think of Palm Sunday when, when he was entered in. He looked over Jerusalem and he wept because they were blind. They didn't have a shepherd. They were wandering off in their own direction. Come to the good shepherd today and find satisfaction for your soul. We've got to keep going. Lastly, the good shepherd saves his sheep. And this is the climax of it all. In, in verse 9, he says, If any man enter in, he shall be saved. He saves us. He saves the sheep. And then in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And so what he's saying there is he's saying, okay, I'm offering you abundant life. How am I going to give you this abundant life? I'm going to die. I'm going to give up my life, my abundant life, so that you can have abundant life. That, that's the only way. We're, we're separated from God. We're guilty because of our sin. And so for him to offer abundant life, he has to take care of our sin. And he says, the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. And then he gives that beautiful picture, right? And where he talks about a hireling. A hireling is going to come and, and when danger comes, they're going to run. But a good shepherd's going to stay. And we can know that in the, in the trials of this life, he has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When the wolves come in this life to try to attack us as the defenseless sheep, we know our good shepherd is standing by and he will protect us. And nothing passes through the good shepherd's hand into our lives without him allowing it first. He's in complete control. He has all power. And he promises to not only protect the sheep, but to lay down his life for his sheep. And he did that on the cross. Verse 27 through 30, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Quick side note, if, if you're truly one of his sheep, you're going to follow him. You're going to keep following him. You may stumble at times, you may wander at times, but the majority of your life you're going to keep following him because he promises to keep us. And so those who say, yeah, I'm a Christian, they haven't once followed Jesus in any area of their life, man, I would, I, would, I would say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, like the Bible says. But he says, they follow me, and look what he does in verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life. Eternal life. So not just abundant life, but abundant life for all eternity. Right? Like, like no end to this abundance. No end to this joy. No end to this satisfaction. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And so he leads them in the right path. They follow him. He goes and finds them when they go astray. He protects them from harm, and he lays down his life for them. He promises to give them eternal life. And not only that, he says, I'll preserve you for all your life until you get to eternity. And so you don't have to worry about, okay, I'm saved today, and now I'm not saved tomorrow because I sinned again. No, no, no. No one can pluck you out of his hand, not even yourself. I used to illustrate this with little kids. I don't know if you've ever played the game where you, you shut your hand and they try to pry it open, and man, it takes forever. Like, if, you, if you're ever, like, trying to get a kid to just, like, stop being crazy, just play that game and watch TV, and it'll take them forever to open your hand. But anyways, I would say, look, Jesus puts you, when you trust Christ as your Savior, when you hear the gospel 
You hear that you can never make it on your own. You hear that your sin separates you from God. And you say, you know what? I believe that Jesus died for me, was buried, and rose again. And I'm asking him to save me. When you ask Jesus to save you, he puts you in his hand. And he holds you tight. And no one can take you out of his hand. And not only that, his father puts his hand around that hand. So now the kid's definitely not going to open it, right? There's no one who can pluck you out of his hand. I heard another illustration that's just so powerful. He said there's a strong, imagine a strong father with his son next to a railroad track. And they're walking along and it's dangerous because trains come by, but it's the only way to go. And so they're walking along. There's two ways the father can protect the son. He can say, son, hold on really, really tight to my hand. And, and hold on tight because when those trains come, there's going to be wind and you, you might get, get sucked in. So you've got to hold on tight. That's one way. Or he can say, son, I'm going to grab your hand and I'm going to hold your hand. And when the danger comes, I'm not letting go. Amen. Which one would you rather have? A little toddler clinging on or the big, strong hand of the father holding you? That's our father. And you can't take yourself out of his hand. It doesn't matter what you've done. Your sins that are many, his mercy is more. You can't take yourself out of his hand. And no one can take you out of his hand. So he doesn't just save you. He keeps you saved all of your life. And yes, we're prone to wander, but he brings us back. He puts us on his shoulders and he brings us back into the fold. And he rejoices and he leads us where we need to go. And he satisfies us and he keeps us safe. That's our good shepherd. That's our good shepherd today. Preserves us for all eternity. And so my point today is come to Jesus, the good shepherd, and experience the abundant life he offers. Oh, if, there, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus, can I plead with you to trust with him today? Trust him today? Like we're all sinners. We're all separated from God. And that void in your life that you feel, you know it's there. You're trying to fill it with other things. You need Jesus. Only He can satisfy. Only He can save. Can I plead with you? Call out to Him and ask Him to save you today. And if you are His sheep, take comfort in your good shepherd. Right? He knows you intimately. He calls you to Himself. He leads you where you need to go. He satisfies you. And He keeps you safe for all eternity. That's our good shepherd. So what I want to do today is I want to close by reading Psalm 23. You all know it, but I want you to think about our good shepherd as we read this. This is our good shepherd. This is Jesus, our good shepherd. Let's look at it now. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There's nothing I'll lack. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Man, when my soul feels broken and hurt and heavy, he restores it. That's my good shepherd. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Man, when I'm prone to wander and I want to go off a cliff on my own and I think over here is going to satisfy, he says, no, no, I'm going to lead you over here in the paths of righteousness and I'm going to do it for my name's sake to make Jesus look good. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though the worst of the worst, I'm in this valley in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because my good shepherd is with me. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. They can all look. They can look at me at the table with my good shepherd and they can't do anything to me. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup 
runneth over. There's that abundant life. Not just life to the full, but abundant, overflowing. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's our, that's our good shepherd. That's the shepherd. And if you're a believer today, you're part of his flock. You're part of his sheep. And when he said, I have sheep that aren't of this fold, he was thinking about us. And we're in the fold today if we believe that's our good shepherd. So come to Jesus, the good shepherd, and experience the abundant life he offers. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Jesus, thank you for being our good shepherd. Thank you for loving us, for leading us, for knowing us, for correcting us when we need it for satisfying us, for protecting us, for saving us. Lord, you're such a good shepherd. Lord, we like sheep are so prone to wander. So God, lead us this week in passive righteousness for your name's sake. Lead us as your sheep this week. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.